Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, the Warriors reporter for the Mercury News. Wes came on shortly after news broke that Kobe Bryant was one of five people killed in a helicopter crash Sunday morning into the hillside overlooking Calabasas, California. During our conversation, Wes and I reflect on Kobe's legacy, share some of our favorite Kobe memories, and detail how this tragedy is impacting the Warriors. Wes, thank you so much for for joining me on the podcast. Um, It's a very somber Sunday afternoon here at Chase Center. We were here covering here to cover Warriors practice when the news broke that Kobe Bryant was one of five people killed in a, in a helicopter crash over Calabasas, California. Uh, just got the news a little bit ago that his 13 year old daughter, Gianna was on that flight, was on that helicopter with him. Uh, also a, uh, one of her travel team teammates and, the a parent of that teammate were killed as well. Uh, just a completely tragic day, not only for the NBA world, for the basketball world, but for sp- the sports world in general. This is it, this is someone who really rose to that iconic status. You know, he, he his reach went so far, and actually even beyond the sports world into the entertainment world. This is a guy who won an Academy Award, you know, since retiring from the NBA as one of the greatest players of all time. His his uh, his impact on pop culture, society, was incredibly far-reaching in his 41 years. And I think both of us are, are still a little bit stunned, like like everyone out there just, just does not feel real. And I think the reason it doesn't feel real is because he was truly someone that was larger than life. He, You mentioned the Academy Award, and he won an Oscar the year after – he retired from the NBA. That is, yeah. I remember watching that award show and just being completely blown away that somebody could do that, uh, do that thing that so many people who are filmmakers go their entire lives not getting, having chasing that. And that was sort of Kobe Bryant. He chased things and he got them done. Yeah. He won five championships in 20 years. He, and he, you know, we could talk about all of his NBA accomplishments, but he, in, in in a lot of respects, was kind of the ultimate version of your of your modern NBA player of what they want to be. I mean, you see all these guys post NBA career try to figure out what their lives are going to be, what they're going to do with the rest of of their lives, and and he pretty much just nailed it out the gate. Not only from his business ventures, but the the entertainment things, and then just from being a dad. I mean, to to go down in that helicopter with his daughter and and one of his daughter's teammates and another and another parent, and, and they were just going to practice. They were just going to a basketball practice, and and they did that a lot. And Kobe Bryant was so involved in his kids' lives and all these things, and and he was pretty much just executing at the post NBA career level. He was he was he was a good father. It, it looked like and. Um, it's just really tough to see him go that way, you know, especially considering that he, it did seem like he had so much more to give and he was enjoying living that life after his NBA career. Yeah. And the, the, the one thing that everyone talks about with Kobe is that Mamba mentality. And it, it's, he, he became, he, he came to represent just a complete unyielding will, a winning mentality, um, a competitive nature that, I think a lot of people have 
been inspired by over the years. You know, I know players, different athletes have been tweeting over the past couple hours since the news broke uh, that they are forever grateful to Kobe just for helping them find something within themselves. You know, he, there was, he was, he was a polarizing figure at times. He was, he was someone who maybe wasn't always the greatest teammate just because he held his teammates so accountable and was so hard on them at times, but it was solely because he held himself to a standard and he wanted everyone else to reach it. And I, you can only respect that, you know, that he was greatness personified um, in terms of anything, you know, as we just talked about, he, he did well, whatever he did. And, um, the Warriors, like, like every team in the NBA are re- reeling from this news. Uh, they cut practice short today when, when news broke of, of Kobe's passing. From what I heard talking to people in the organization, um, it was just, com- the, the whole team was just completely distraught, visibly very upset. Um, and they did not, grant media requests. They did not talk to media. Uh, we might be talking to someone later in the organization, but uh, there will be no formal uh, sit-down availabilities. Um, they might have a press release later with, with some remembrances on his legacy, but, um, you know, it was only a couple of years ago. It was uh, December 2017 when I got the opportunity to cover Kobe's jersey retirement at the Staples Center, and uh, the Warriors, who obviously were the biggest team in the NBA at the time, uh, were playing in that game. And that was a, a cool opportunity in that there was so much fanfare around that, obviously. Kobe spoke pregame, and then uh, the Warriors didn't even go into the locker room at halftime because they wanted to stay on the court and watch his his number 8 and number 24 go up into the rafters. And... um before that day, I got the chance to do a, a story on Kobe's impact on the Warriors All-Stars. You know, guys like Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant at the time, Steph Curry, Draymond Green. Because every single player in this league has some sort of Kobe story. Some sort of story where he impacted them personally. Kobe was very hands-on, a phenomenal mentor to young guys. Um, and I think part of part of why this hits the Warriors so hard and, and, and this generation of NBA player is because the timing of his, of his rise really, really aligned with when a lot of these guys were learning the game, falling in love with the game. So more than Michael Jordan, they connected with Kobe because Kobe was the face of that generation. And so they were growing up in the backyard, you know, on the playground trying to mimic Kobe Bryant, not Michael Jordan. Eric Paschal loved watching Kobe Bryant growing up. Uh, Glenn Robinson III currently wears Kobe proto shoes almost all the time and almost exclusively during his warm-ups. D'Angelo Russell played with Kobe Bryant as a rookie and looks back fondly on those memories of what he was able to learn and pick up from Kobe, even if he self-admittedly didn't necessarily uh, appreciate it in the moment. And I can only imagine for all those guys and everybody else on that roster, it, it hurts. I mean, Bob Myers, of course, has a very intense relationship with Kobe Bryant. Um, so I can only imagine what he's going through right now. Uh, but to echo your statement on the Mamba mentality and everything, I mean, it has become sort of a meme lately, but it is a real thing. Like players do try to channel that just like players, you know, in the early 2000s, late 90s tried to channel that from from their inner Air Jordan, right? They they do try to channel that. It is a motivating factor. If you have 
if you have ever passed through Kobe Bryant's orbit, you've probably felt it and you've tried to take it with you wherever you ended up. And uh, I remember growing up, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I remember Kobe Bryant much more than I remember Michael Jordan. And, and I, what I remember from Michael Jordan was his later years in the late 90s, more, more so like the third three-peat than the first one. Right. But I remember almost all of Kobe, you know, right. uh, at least as, lo- as long as he was winning championships. And, and just watching him go from number eight to number 24, I remember just like him changing jersey numbers randomly. I, I remember his shoes coming out, going from Adidas to Nike. I remember him just like <laughs> that, that complete lack of concern for his opponent's well-being. Like he just yeah. wanted to take your throat and heart out uh, in one fell swoop. And it was just really awesome to see. And towards the end of his career, he ended up becoming like this anti-analytics guy. And, you know, everybody was like, oh, well, he, t- he scores 40 points, but he needs 38 shots to do it and all these things. I mean, of course, he takes 60 shots in his last game. Uh, or scored 60 points in his last game, right? And everybody's like, well, he needed whatever many shots to do it. And like every NBA player, they were like, you right. know what? He put up that many shots and he scored 60. You could go to hell with your analytics. Right. Like he just did that. And that's what he was. And, and he was sort of, I don't want to say the last sort of, uh, kind of piece of the, the pre analytics NBA, but he, he kind of in a lot of ways, um, you know, symbolized that entire thing. We'll have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. For me, I, you know, the thing about Kobe was he was so polarizing, which speaks to his greatness. You know, every gr- truly great player had people either love him or hate him because you were, you were either on his team and you loved having him or you were going against him and you hated having to go up against him. And I hated Kobe Bryant growing up. Um, I'm from Portland, Oregon. I grew up a diehard Blazers fan. And that was back, you know, when I was really coming of age, was back in the early 2000s when the Warriors had the jailblazer era and they were actually one of the best teams in the Western Conference. And they were going, they'd always fall to the Lakers, it felt like, every single year. And it was so frustrating every time we played the Lakers. It felt like Kobe hit, a, you know, a dagger three pointer at the buzzer to win the game. I remember seeing that multiple times. I remember being at a game at the Rose Garden during a rec- during the regular season when I think the Blazers were up like eighteen uh, going into the fourth, and he just willed them to victory and hit a hit a corner three to win the game, and just you know his swagger. His, the, his tongue out, all those things, you just hated him. And it wasn't just the fact that he beat your team. It was that he, he did it so ruthlessly. Uh, but, um, I, the, one of my most memorable moments growing up that I'll never forget was I was in third grade. It was the 2000 Western Conference finals, game seven. Blazers are up 14 going into the fourth quarter. It's, you know, it feels like the moment the Blazers are going to finally break through, dethrone the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. Uh, and, and you also have to understand there's this 
hatred in Portland for everything LA represents. Like you're just you you're you're born to hate LA, yeah. not just the Lakers, but everything yeah, Southern California LA. represents. And so it was like this beautiful moment at the time going to the port. Yes, we got this. And then, you know, with Kobe leading the way, uh they come back, win game 7, end up winning the title that year, one of their three consecutive NBA titles. The Warriors never or the Blazers never even made the finals during that stretch. Uh, because they couldn't beat the Lakers. Um, and so that, that's, that's something that I, I have never forgotten. I was nine years old crying in my <laughs> basement. Literally, I threw like a basketball at the TV. My dad got mad at me because I was so upset. It was, it was bad, but Kobe did that to so many people, uh, if you weren't on his side. And, you know, I look back on that fondly and I'm actually almost weirdly grateful to him for those moments because you know he he made it interesting he was so the way he played was so compelling well, it, 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 there's so much drama to his game he made it emotional for you and yeah. he did that to a lot of people and you, the word polarizing was good there and you said if you're not on his side he just hated him and that's what he did man he got you on his side it was well we can't beat him so we'll join him there are very few nba players whoever come through the league that created their own fan bases. I mean, we know that the NBA is star driven, but what players have really created their own fan base have made you maybe growing up in Minnesota or Portland or Northern California or New York or anything like that actually just switch allegiances to a team because of a player. Right. Right. Michael Jordan did that. He probably right. was maybe the first one to do that. Uh, you could maybe argue magic Johnson was, was that for the early eighties Lakers too. Uh, I think Allen Iverson was that, uh, but I, I think to a lesser degree, I don't think there's a lot of AI fans who are currently now still Sixers fans, but it, they exist. Uh, LeBron James, we're seeing that right now. People will just be LeBron James fans, and Kobe Bryant was that. Kobe Bryant was the ultimate version of that, where it didn't matter where you lived, and it helped that he played for the Lakers, sure. It's easy to root for the Lakers with the glitz and glamour, but he became this glitz and glamour, but... <coughs> just like the hardest version of that, right? right? Like he was just like, yeah, I've got the glitz and glamour. I'm willing to show off while I destroy you, but you better know that I put the work in to get to this point and now I can live into live in this glitz and glamour. This isn't just me being in LA. Like I deserve to be here. I get the glitz and glamour because I'm better than you. And I'm going right. to show you right now. Right. And and someone that I've found myself thinking a lot about uh, you know, since the news broke is Clay Thompson. Uh, because every member of this warrior has memories of, of Kobe Bryant, but Clay Thompson had a real relationship with Kobe Bryant and, um, they, they were close. Um, he was his childhood idol, like he was for, for a lot of us. But as you know, Clay's dad is Michael Thompson, a former member of the Showtime Lakers, uh, as a radio analyst. So he had a connection with the team and through that connection, uh, was able to introduce Clay to, Kobe Bryant at a young age. Um, I wrote a story leading up to the Jersey retirement a couple years ago about Clay's relationship with Kobe Bryant. And my lead was um, basically Kobe, Clay Thompson was seven years old. And as we all know, Clay's, Clay dealt with crippling shyness growing up. And it was a, it was a, they lived in Portland. His, the Thompsons lived in Portland at the time. And, uh, Kobe and Shaq had played the Blazers and it was after a game and Michael brought his three sons, including Clay into the locker room. And Clay 
would not refuse to actually go in the locker room because he was so overwhelmed by the the prospect of actually meeting Kobe Bryant. Like he couldn't handle it. So he stayed in in the hallway, clutching his mom's hand, tearing up because he was so overwhelmed about having to to see Kobe Bryant. Like he just couldn't handle it. Um, and then as he got older, um, they ended up developing a bond. And uh, one thing that sticks out to me is that when Clay Thompson got suspended his junior year for uh, for marijuana uh, for one game leading up to the NCAA tournament, the Cougars were Washington State was on the NCAA tournament bubble, and 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 I know Clay was emerging as a lottery pick, and he was really worried about what that could mean for his draft prospects and and that sort of thing. And and uh, I I know that Kobe basically went up to him and was like, "Dude, who cares? Like this is." it's marijuana, like chill out. It's all good. Like you're fine. You're going to be a great NBA player. Like, and, and I talked to Michael Thompson one time and he told me that he was stunned because when Clay was just like a sophomore at Washington state and was just starting to emerge, wasn't even like a, well, it wasn't even surfacing on, on mock drafts at that point. Kobe went up to Michael and said, Hey man, I've been watching his film at Washington state and like been studying it. And I really like, you know, his his catch and shoot game and he was getting really specific about how he played and i know michael was kind of taken aback like kobe like how do you have time to be studying like my son's college tape you know but he was just that invested in people and uh you know clay ended up working out with him entering the draft in la and then uh you know they exchanged jerseys uh the first time uh they they played against each other and i know I know Kobe has just kind of been a mentor to to him, and and I know all these guys have stories. I know another example is Draymond Green when he was going through some stuff a couple years ago. You know his the dick pic leaked, and you know he was in, he was getting all these uh, he was getting all these negative headlines. Uh, Kobe hit him up and said, "Hey man, you know don't listen to the haters. Like tune all that out. Just just use it as fuel going into the season. Don't worry about it." I know um, during Kobe's last year, he got dinner with Kevin Durant. He told he talked to Kevin about you know planning for 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 post retirement and, and working on building you know his his business. And I, I think that was part of what really inspired Kevin to uh, to to build his his company that that invests in a lot of different things and, and got the TV stuff going. And and so it just speaks to who he was as a person because. Um, he, he really took seriously his role as a face of the league and, and as a mentor to these young guys. Yeah. And, you know, he it, it is again, that modern NBA player. We've seen LeBron James do that now with the business ventures off the court and all these things, but Kobe was really all, you know, part of that movement. And, you know, the reason he's able to reach out to Clay Thompson after marijuana possession or reach out to Draymond Green after some unfortunate photos surface is because he went through a lot of that stuff, his, you know, in his own career. He went through, you know, the whole cheating on his wife scandal and, and all these other things. And, and, uh, and we'd be remiss Alleged not to mention rape, it. Ale- yeah. We'd be remiss not to mention that. Yeah. Absolutely. Like he allegedly raped somebody. And look, I, I think, there that's that is a blemish on his career i think that's certainly there but um he was there was a lot of other things that he did uh i'm not saying that it necessarily makes up for anything that he that was there but he did a lot of things that still spoke to nba players and he was able to say look 
you know, none of this stuff was ever necessarily proven and I got through the other side and anything that you're going through can't be as bad as what I went through with this, right? right. And so I think a lot of players did end up gravitating toward him for that uh, reason. And uh, I, I just think that there are very few players, again, who can sort of boast that sort of street cred that he did. Like, okay, I... I have won X amount of championships. I didn't necessarily take the most direct route to the league. I've gone through adversity in my career. I've done all the business things. You know that I work hard off the court and all these things. And so with that street cred, he does get a lot of credibility with basically every NBA player. Right. And uh, Kobe, Kobe Bryant, um, you know, this, this is not the type of story that's a one-day story. This is going to be in the news cycle for a while, deservedly. And we're going to have an interesting opportunity to cover the first NBA game in Philadelphia, his hometown, on Tuesday. Uh, the Warriors play the 76ers in Philadelphia. I'm sure that will be a very emotional night. I expect to see a lot of number eight, number 24 jerseys in the crowd. Um, and it, it'll be, it'll be intense, I'm sure, for a lot of members of the Warriors. And so we'll be there. We'll be covering it. Um, we'll be, we'll be, you know, writing the rest of the day on this. Um, obviously had to scrap our, our daily plans because this is, uh, this is, uh, not just an important story, but, uh, probably the most important story in the NBA in, in years. Uh, I mean, this is just someone who is a true icon, one of the most important players in sports history. And I, I'm not just saying NBA history in sports history. Um, and the fact that this comes like a, a couple weeks after David Stern, arguably the most important player, most important person in the NBA, just in terms of building and making the NBA what it is today. It's, it's just been such a, such a rough stretch for the league. Yeah. It's um, within 25 days, basically uh, we lose David Stern, we lose Kobe Bryant and, we're moving into a new um, like era of and of the NBA without two of its foundational pieces. Um, it's it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's already interesting to see, but we're going to continue to see a lot more reactions in these coming days. And uh, I'm sure that that you mentioned that home game in Philadelphia will be an emotional day uh, for a lot of people in attendance there, and and it's going to be an emotional few weeks here for a lot of people. Wes, thank you so much for joining me. It's not it's not every day we get to, I get to have my my quote unquote rival on the beat on the podcast. For those who uh, who remember, Wes actually came on the podcast last summer right after the Warriors signed Willie Cauley Stein, and this was before you were even on the beat. Now you're on the beat, doing a great job at, at a, for the Mercury News, and you you happen to come on a couple of days after Willie Cauley Stein was traded. So it's kind of coming full circle uh but definitely read his stuff uh you can also find my stuff as always at sfchronicle.com uh it'll we'll we'll we'll, ha- we'll be having kobe bryant react the rest of the day warriors off court is part of the san francisco chronicle podcast network audrey cooper is the editor-in-chief if you like this show we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at claterno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.